Boker Tov, everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. It's the fifth day of the working week, and we are on the fifth uh, parasha of our um, parasha Ekev here. I want to welcome everybody who's watching from across the Fruited Plain and all across the world. Good to be with you. Hope you're having a good day thus far. Um, we have, uh, our reading today is going to be on page 991, 991. By the way, uh, I want to appreciate everybody for liking our videos and sharing them around. We've seen a lot more of that. Commenting on the videos online, that's been very helpful. I think it um, helps us to, uh, uh, to gain uh, members and, um, you know, all those kinds of things. I'm just going to take a look and see where we're at with subscri subscribers. 3,873. 3873. So that's good. I, I kind of have a goal of getting to 4,000 sometime in the next, well, by, probably by the end of, of Av, the month of Av, I would hope. Uh, it's just fun. It's fun to get to 4,000. Then when we, once we get to 4,000, we can, we can work on 5,000. And uh, that's always fun. So uh, share this with your friends and family uh, and encourage them to subscribe if they haven't. And uh, also don't forget about the Sar Shalom Synagogue uh, page and subscribing to, um, to that page as well. So, and, and looking at the videos. There's literally hundreds of hours of uh, videos there, teachings that go back to however, however long ago and in, in years past. So uh, we're going to be on page 991. We're in chapter uh, 10. Begin reading in verse 11 for the fifth Aliyah. And this is what the word of the Lord says. Uh, actually, we're going to be in, in chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, pardon me, chapter 10 and verse 12. My apologies. It says, Now, O Israel, what does Adonai your God ask of you? Only to fear Adonai your God, to go in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve Adonai your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Well, right off the bat, we have a, uh, a singular verse uh, that will... Uh, answer a lot of theological issues. This is this is the word of God speaking, and Moses is saying um, that what what does God want from us? Is it just faith, just to believe in Him? What does He want exactly? The answer is only to fear Adonai your God, to go in all His ways, to love Him, to serve Adonai your God. In other words, He wants you to walk out His commandments. Uh, we have to be people that uh, simply walk out the Word of God, and uh, our faith, uh, you know, faith uh, to a large extent, if we limit it to just faith not doing anything, then what we're really uh, doing is just concentrating on a feeling. You know, I believe in God, I feel this way, feel that way. But faith, uh, in God's estimation, needs to be an action, something that we're doing. This is where most people get mixed up because they think, well, if I'm quote-unquote working for my salvation, which, of course, has never been a Jewish idea. I mentioned yesterday that that's a straw man argument made up by people who know nothing about Judaism who teach that Jews work for their salvation and Christians just believe God and it's by grace. Grace is the Christian idea. Working for it and trying to keep all the law is a Jewish idea. Uh, that is a false 
notion, and you should know that, and you should politely correct anybody who ignorantly tells you that. Um, but, so what's that created in people is, when they're doing things that God wants them to do, they see that as a lack of faith. Now that's, it's crazy, isn't it? Just think about it for a moment. If God is telling you to do something, if, he, if he's given you a commandment, thou shalt wear seat seat, and thou dost do it, uh, that by, by doing what he asks you to do is the ultimate expression of, of faith. It's the ultimate expression of belief. But you've been taught that, in fact, it's the opposite, that if you actually do what he wants you to do, that it's an expression of a lack of faith. And if you purposely don't do what he told you to do, then that is the ultimate expression of faith. It's insane. Just think that through for a second. God said, eat kosher. Well, you've been taught that if you eat kosher, then you're actually denying God. But if you purposely don't eat kosher, then you're affirming God. So you're affirming him by doing the opposite of what he wants you to do. And we call that faith, but we call actually doing what he wants to do a lack of faith. You know, and then and then we then we run around and we say things like, "Well, in the end of days, they're going to call evil good and good evil," and 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 yet they're doing that at church every week. We're like, "Hey, man, have you seen the news lately where they're calling evil good and good evil?" Yeah, yeah, that's been going on every Sunday for the last uh, many decades. What are you talking about? It just now spilled over into society. You see. So God's definition of faith is by actually doing what he asks you to do. <laughs> That's how you know you really believe. And by the way, there was there was this there's this letter, there's this letter in the in the apostolic writings by that guy, what's his name? James. James. He was somewhat important, I think. Jacob is his actual name. But he said something to the effect, what was it? Oh, what's that thing? Faith without works is dead. Uh, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Is that what he said? Now, who was, who was Yaakov, by the way? Oh, he was uh, some third-rate um, minister. Uh, no, no. He was actually the brother of the Messiah, and he and Kepha were the two head haunches. Wasn't Paul? Paul wasn't, you know, Paul was in no leadership position whatsoever. Did you realize that? Paul had no authority. If Paul wanted to do anything, he had to go to Jerusalem and get permission to do whatever it was he was doing. He had to get the, the A-OK. -okay. Who were the two heavy hitters? Who were the two leaders? It was Yaakov and Kepha. Now, Yaakov said, listen, don't be a hero, a, a hero of the word and not a doer, right? Or don't be a doer of the word, you know, or whatever. You, you know, in other words, put your faith in the action. I think I messed that up when I just tried to quote it, but just be, put your faith in the action. That's what he's saying. So that's, that was the leader of the, of the Lapid community back in the first century. But today we're, we're teaching, I say we, but I'm talking you know, about people that allegedly believe in the Messiah, the exact opposite message. Be a hearer and not a doer. 
Hear the word of God, let it go in, and let it go right out. Don't do it. Just believe in it, but don't do it. So we say, I believe in the entire Bible. Do you do it? No. But I do believe it. That's like saying I believe that taking a particular uh, supplement is going to really, really improve my health. Do you take the supplement? No. If somebody told you that, if somebody said, hey, listen, I believe that if you take um, vitamin C or vitamin D or vitamin E or whatever every day, it's really going to help you. Oh, really? You believe that? Oh, absolutely, man. I really believe, strongly believe it. It's the war. It's the truth. It is the truth. Really? Yeah. So how much of it do you take? I don't take any of it. Now, what would you say to such a person? If you had a friend like that, if you had, <laughs> if you had a friend like that who said they believed in taking a particular supplement, and uh, they believed in it strongly. In fact, they cited all kinds of uh, YouTube videos and Google uh, web searches and all kinds of uh, uh, stuff like that that proved to you that this this uh, supplement was absolutely do what it was supposed to do, and they believed with their whole heart. And then you said to them, oh, that's great. Well, how much do you take? What brand do you take? And they said, I don't take any of it. What would you say? Would you say, oh, wow, okay, you, you've got strong faith. Your faith is so strong, you don't do it. Um, so it says here in verse 13, uh, you got to love God with all your heart and soul to observe the commandments of Adonai. Uh, rot row. Rot row. Wah, wah, wah. Well, that, uh, that, that uh, phrase right there, to observe the commandments of Adonai, has just blown up um, most theological positions. Oh, I forgot three more words. It says, to observe the commandments of Adonai and, say and, and his decrees. Oof, that's everything. Which I command you today for your benefit. Now, we talked about yesterday how we need to observe the commandments because that's how we connect to Hashem. We don't need to be paying attention to the benefits. And besides that, being connected to Hashem is going to bring benefits anyway, so it's kind of a circular reasoning, right? We're, we're going to be connected to Hashem, so why do we care about the benefit? Because being connected to Him is everything. Why? Because everything is in Him. But it says here, to obey the commandments and the decrees. Why? Why did Moses say you need to obey the commandments and the decrees? What's the reason given? Is, what, for God's benefit? We want to make God happy? Is this what it says? This is for the benefit of God, to make him happy. No, it's for your benefit. It says, verse 14, Behold, to Adonai your God are the heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and everything that's in it. Only your forefathers did Adonai cherish to love them, and he chooses their offspring after them, you from among all the peoples as this day. You shall cut away the barrier of your heart and no longer stiffen your neck. For Adonai your God, he is the God of the powers and the Lord of the lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God, who does not show favor, who does not accept a bribe. He carries out the judgment of the orphan and the widow and loves the proselyte to give him bread and garment. You shall love the proselyte, for you were strangers in the land of Mitzrayim. Adonai your God shall you fear. Him shall you serve, to him shall you cleave, and his name shall you swear. He is your praise, and he is your God, who did for you these great and awesome things that 
your eye saw with 70 souls did your ancestors descend to Egypt, and now Adonai your God has made you like the stars of the heaven for abundance. Well, we all know, I think most people realize that God uh, has a particular affinity for the orphan and the widow, and he protects them and guards them and shields them. What most people don't know is that he feels the exact same way for the proselyte, for the convert, with the same uh, vigor that God protects the orphan and the widow, he protects the convert. He protects the proselyte. Um, I, I, I read a, um, a, a comment. It was an ignorant comment. and I mean, I mean ignorant meaning that uh, a lack of knowledge, lack of understanding um, by somebody, a Christian person, who said that, you know, you can't convert to Judaism. I don't want to get into that. Uh, that's completely false, and, you know, 3,000 years of Judaism um, disagrees with them. But the, the first convert to Judaism, ladies and gentlemen, was, who can guess it, Abraham. Dun, 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 dun. Abraham was the first convert. So if Judaism does not have converts, then we don't have Judaism. I also covered this when I went through the Aliyah day on Parsha Yitro that the sages brought down, if it were not for the convert Yitro, there would not have been a Torah. So Judaism in general is dependent upon a convert, and the Torah in particular is dependent upon a convert. If it were not for Ruth, who is a convert, there would be no Mashiach. So now we have the Mashiach, who is dependent upon a convert. Uh, chapter 11, we get into chapter 11 now. You shall love Adonai your God, and you shall safeguard his charge, his decrees, his ordinances, his commands all the days. You shall know today that it's not your children who did not know and who did not see the chastisement of Adonai your God, his greatness, his strong hand, his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he performed in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all this land. And what... He did to the army of Egypt, to its horses and its chariots, over whom he swept the waters of the sea of reeds when they pursued you, and Adonai caused them to perish unto this day, and what he did for you in the wilderness until you came to this, to this place, and what he did to Dathan and to Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, when the earth opened its mouth wide and swallowed them and their households and their tents and all the fortunes at their feet in the midst of all the Israel. Rather it is with it is your own I'm sorry, rather it is your own eyes that see all the great work out on I which he did. So shall you observe this entire commandment that I command you today. Again, we have an admonition to obey the commandments. How many times? I'm I, I, I haven't uh, counted them all, but how many times is Moses telling us, the word of God telling us, obey the commandments? Obey the commandments. Obey the commandments. So the, the word of God continuously tells us, obey the commandments. And then, allegedly, when the living word of God, that is Yeshua the Messiah, shows up, he says, allegedly, which is false, of course, he, did, he never said this, never implied it, never inferred it, but uh, Gentiles, later, about 400 years after the fact, made this the message. It came from uncircumcised Gentiles. So alleg allegedly, the false Messiah uh, said, 
disobey the commandments. So throughout the entire word of God, I want, to, I want you to understand something, by the way. Let me, just, let me just make it more poignant here if I can. There has not been not one biblical hero in the entire Tanakh from uh, Noah all the way through. Every prophet, okay, every hero, there hasn't been one, not one, who wasn't observant of the law of Moses. Not one. There hasn't been one time, not one, where God ever told the people to not be observant of the law of Moses. In fact, to the, to the opposite, that was the constant message of every single prophet. It was the constant theme and duty of every single hero. It was the heartbeat of everybody we hold dear in the entire Torah. Then when we get to the Gospels, we learn that Miriam was chosen to be the mother of Messiah, and Elizabeth was chosen to be the mother of Yochanan the, the Mercer, precisely because they were a good, observant Jews. That's what it tells us. We learn further that every single apostle, to include Paul himself, were observant Jews. And in fact, the man who was called upon to heal uh, Paul of his scale-covered eyes was said to be uh, a man well-respected in the community. Why? Because he was an observant Jew. Observant of what? Observant of the laws of Moses. So we have this consistent theme throughout the entire Word of God that everybody who's anybody who means anything to any, anyone is observant of the law of Moses. And allegedly the Messiah shows up and says, Hey, guys, um, you know that several thousand years worth of human history and all those messages that God put out through his prophets and everything? Yeah. You know all the kings that were, uh, you know, kept the Torah like Solomon and what was that other guy's name? David? Yeah. Okay. You know, um, even, my, even my earthly mother, you know, we chose her because she was like super observant. Yeah. All right. I showed up to tell you, don't do any of that. Like every, so all the message of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Haggai, uh, Malachi, uh, the message of uh, Elijah, all of that, all those messages canceled, nullified, th torn up, thrown up. In fact, we're a little bit upset because Jeremiah got upset with the people because they were breaking the Torah only to find out that that's in fact the, what God wanted them to do. So Jeremiah kind of died for nothing, and the people kind of got chastised for nothing. And that whole thing about Elijah, like rebuking uh, Jezebel, yeah, like looking back, we wish we'd have given him a different message, because as it turns out, Jezebel was fine. As it turns out, Ahab was just fine. They were breaking the Torah all day long, which is in fact what we're telling you to do today. So kind of... Uh, Elijah went through all that for kind of nothing. And then those silly patriarchs, the matriarchs, they were following the Torah. And Moses went through 40 years in the wilderness trying to get all the people to follow the Torah, which they kind of did, kind of didn't. But in retrospect, that was kind of for nothing too because the, the end result was there was going to be a, a, a Messiah kind of like him, but not really, who was going to come along and say, don't do what Moses did. 
See, when you put it in terms like this, you see how ridiculous it is. And it makes perfect sense that it's nonsense. You know, right? The message has to be consistent. What did Mo when, when Moses turned everything over to Joshua, Moses told Joshua, hey, you're going to be the leader now. Be sure and follow the Torah. And then when Moses died, God spoke to Joshua and said, hey, you're the leader now. Be sure and follow the Torah. Now, Joshua's name in Hebrew is, who can tell me? Anybody? Joshua's name in Hebrew is Yeshua. So the spiritual picture is that when things get turned over to the Messiah who's going to take us into the promised land, that Mashiach is supposed to lead us in the Torah. Oh, and I forgot. I almost forgot. So uh, the kings of Israel were supposed to write for themselves two copies of the entire law. They were supposed to write it for themselves. Which implies what? You know how it is in school. You know why you took notes in school? So you wouldn't forget stuff, right? But you do realize that when you write things down, it that action kind of implants it into your brain. Like if you just repeat it, that's one thing. But if you actually write it down, that has a profound effect of putting it in your brain. This is why taking notes is so important. It's not just so that you can refer back to them and remember them. It's so that it kind of becomes implanted, engraved, so to speak, in your in your psyche. So it goes without saying that if you're a king and God says, write for yourself two, two copies, two copies of the Torah, one you're going to keep in the treasury so you can refer to it, and the other you're going to, you're going to bind and you're literally going to walk around with it on, bound to your arm. Do you realize that? Do you realize the kings of Israel walked around, the righteous ones anyway, walked around all the time with the Torah bound to their arm. Okay? So God obviously wanted the king to read the Torah and to, you know, make sure it was that it was right there on his arm. That's part of his part of his attire was strapping the Torah scroll on his arm. Think about that. So the kings of Israel, why why was that important? Well, the kings of the king of Israel was the uh, and is the the first citizen of the nation. He's the example. He's supposed to be the one who's Torah observant, so that the entire community, the entire nation, is led into Torah observance. If the king is following the Torah, guess what that means? The subjects need to follow it too. So, this would mean that J.C. was the first ever king of the Jews who, the first ever. Now I'm talking about among the righteous. The first ever who took that Torah scroll, ripped it off his arm, shred up in little pieces, and said, yeah, God, you told me to write this, but I say no, and threw it away. And didn't follow it. So that you wouldn't follow it. Which would mean what? Which would mean that he was violating the word of God, which would mean that he was a what? Say it with me. Sinner. Which would mean that he can't be the Messiah. So, you see how our theology sometimes actually undermines our entire religion. So the religion is not for us. Again, I'm speaking collectively here out of a sense of compassion. We venerate JC as the Messiah, but then we say that he actually violated the Torah. We're excited about it. 
When Jewish people say he broke the Sabbath, we say, that's right, he did. You bet he did. He broke it because blah, 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 blah. All the while, we're like, yeah, yeah, you're, you, yeah you're, you, you better believe he was a sinner. You better believe he broke the law. You better believe he violated God's word. You better believe he snubbed his nose at God. You better believe it. All the while, we call him the perfect sinless lamb. Meanwhile, Jews are like, yeah, that's why we don't believe. And then, we don't, and then we're like, how come you don't believe? Why can't you see it? Haven't you been to a Christ in the Passover uh, dinner? <laughs> it's comical. It's not so sad. So you shall observe the entire commandment that I command you today so that you'll be strong and you will come. Oh, 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 oh there's another benefit. So that you will be strong and you will come and possess the land to which you are crossing to possess it. And so shall, uh, and so that you will prolong your days on the land that Adonai swore to your forefathers to give them, and to their offspring, a land flowing with milk and honey. A land flowing with milk and honey. That's the end of the uh, fifth reading. A couple more thoughts here. Uh, just a, a highlight uh, here from um, the Gutna Kumash. It says, when the first tablets were given, the Jewish people were on the level of the Zadokim, the righteous. Whereas the second tablets were given, they were on a higher level of the Baal Tshuva. Thus it follows that God's goodwill, uh, when Moses received the second tablets, was even greater than his goodwill at the time of the first giving of the tablets. This is just an insight I want to share with you because it is uh, indicative of the Jewish idea um, that the one who is the Baal Now, the Baal is somebody who was a sinner, who has come to Hashem, or come back to Hashem. I just want to point out something, by the way. Every, Jew, every person, every person, every single human being, uh, I've shared this before, but let me just point out, has this little indent. You can't see, like, I've got a mustache, so... But you have this little indention in your lip right here. It's called a uh, philthrum, if I believe. Philthrum. Philthrum, I believe, is the name. Um, this little indention. Put your finger right there. Okay? Everybody have one? If you don't have one, send us an email. Um, the sages point out that when the little baby's in the womb, where's the soul come from? The soul comes from Ganadin, the Garden of Eden. Um, all souls are rooted in the Mashiach, which means every soul has the potential to become a convert. But anyway, in the womb, the angel, Lila, is teaching the baby Torah. And right before the baby is born, the angel strikes the baby on the mouth. It's not a hard strike, you know, it's not like that, but strikes it on the mouth and causes it to forget the Torah. Why? So, because, so the word of God can be fulfilled from the book of Proverbs where it says it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, it's the glory of kings to find it. But the sages say that the reason we have this little indention on our lip, which evidently, now I'm not a doctor or a scientist. Um, some of you may have an answer here, but my understanding is there's no real, seemingly no real need for this. I don't think there is. If you if you can think of a, a legitimate, uh, if you're a doctor or a scientist and you can tell us, oh, well, the reason we have that is so that we can breathe better or 
because it it uh, creates a better milk mustache or whatever the reason is we have this. Let me know. But as far as I know, there's no real reason. It's just it's just there, and everybody has one. It's not like there's not like you run around and go, oh, you're missing yours. What does that mean? It means that everybody has been taught the Torah, which means what? Which means that everybody can come back to Torah. You say, well, how can I return to something I never had? The sages bring this out as well because the Torah was ultimately given to every nation, offered to every nation, and every nation refused it. So therefore, God didn't want them to refuse it, by the way, otherwise he wouldn't have offered it to them. But since they refused it, it means that... um, that they're supposed to come back to it, which is the whole mission of Israel. The whole mission of Israel is to inspire the nations to embrace the Torah. So you say, well, I found this, and this is amazing. I didn't know anything about it. That's true and not true at the same time. It's true that you didn't know anything about it, but in fact, when you were a baby in your mama's womb, you knew about it. So you're actually returning to it. So the sages point out, So a lot of people think, well, if you're born in a Jewish home, particularly an Orthodox Jewish home, which no Messianic leader has ever been Orthodox, I'm going to take that to the bank. I'll take that. I'll challenge anybody who says they were. I say that for a reason, but it's not to be disparaging. It's just that I want to point that out. Um, But most people think, well, if I grew up in a Jewish home and I was Orthodox, that would be the prim, prim, zotic, wonderful life. And God says, no. Actually, the higher level is the person who did not grow up in a Jewish home, who did not grow up with the kosher spoon in his mouth, but yet, when the time came, they chose the path of Torah. That is the highest level of the righteous. End of our Aliyah today. Thank you so much for being uh, with me. We're going to conclude this morning. We have a lot more content. We're just out of time. We'll be back tomorrow, though, and try to cover as much as we can for the 6th and 7th Aliyah. Until then, have an amazing, wonderful, and joyful day. We'll look forward to seeing everybody then.